You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To think. Up the floor, reads a drop down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball will never be the same! So that now has entered the fray. Let's go! And welcome to the first edition of Hardwood Radio of 2016. Ben, how was your holidays? Uh, they were very good. I was uh, surrounded with toddlers that were around me like little cannibal natives, but otherwise, <laughs> it was okay. It was very relaxing. Lots of basketball, lots of good food, lots of uh, beer. How were yours? Uh podcasting, working, basically the usual just over the holidays. And you were mentioning basketball, and let's start there. On Christmas Day, a lot of basketball has become a tradition now, and there was a great game on that day, the Warriors and the Cavs, and uh, what a game that was. It was the only game worth watching that day, and perhaps the most interesting game of the year, honestly. Everybody expected uh, fireworks. Everybody expected a Michael Bay movie. And we got a very subtle and sophisticated psychological We got a, we got a Woody Allen movie instead of a Michael a Bay kind film. Of, a kind of, if, it would be a Woody Allen movie if Woody Allen made thrillers. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> but, but every, you know, every time LeBron steps on uh, the hardwood, everybody expects some fireworks. But... Everybody expects the entire team to defer to LeBron. Everybody expects LeBron to bail his team out of trouble. And most of the time, he can't, you know. Uh, he has two championship rings. Uh, these two championship rings were, were won in Miami, where he was bailed out by role players more than once during his championship runs. I don't know how many times uh, Mike Miller or Shane Battier made, like, a timely three. I don't know if you remember, but um, in a very crucial possession... Mike Miller made a three with one shoe off in the, in, in the NBA Finals. I mean, he had clutch teammates. But what was interesting in that game is how smart the Cavaliers played. They did not turn this into a shootout. Which they is was from- exactly. Just looking at the score, which is a very low score to for a uh, Golden State Warrior game. When it's 1984, under- I think? 89-83. Okay. And when it was uh, when it's under 100 points for the uh, for Cavaliers, yes, but for the Golden State, it's, wow, it's they were kept like in touch, and it's basically the same. They were kept in check by Cavaliers, which you were right. They're playing a very smart game, which LeBron played a great but a very smart game, which he did not try to do everything in that game. Exactly, he deferred a lot to his teammates. If you try to make a shootout against the Warriors, you're going to lose and lose because... by like 20. Because Steph is going to score 30, Clay is going to score 30, Draymond is going to score 20 and make 15 assists and like have 12 rebounds. They're going to destroy you. I mean, they don't care if LeBron shoots, makes 40 points. They're going to make 60 points with three different guys because they can move the ball because they're smarter. 
So they took the right decision to, to just try to stifle the the up, uh, the the um, um, the Cavaliers' offense. It's what's interesting to me is what all of that happened in that game. The fact that Curry got injured, had to leave for a little bit of that game, come back, but while he was gone, uh, the, the the Warriors did not took the foot off the pedal. They still kept going. It's a team thing. It's a that's where you see it that they don't just rely on Curry. As good as he is, he's going to be the MVP. It's almost guaranteed if he keep it up, or even if he plays half the way he played the first third of the season he's still going to be the MVP anyways just because of how much better he is than anybody else but even if he does, doesn't do that there's still a possibility that the Warriors can do what they're doing because of the team aspect because of the concept of the team because of the way they play the basketball Cavaliers if either LeBron or Kevin Lowe go on a cold streak for a couple of games it's gonna, the standing is going to suffer from it oh yeah they're dead in the water but I have a metaphor for you. Like it's, uh, I feel metaphor happy today. Okay? <laughs> Not having Stephen Curry in your uh, on your lineup when you have it usually it's like you're missing an arm. But if you're Muhammad Ali, you still have one arm. You still have two legs. You're still the most athletic guy around. So it it matters that you have one arm off, but you're still gonna beat everybody. And. Um, But what was interesting to me, what was fascinating to me in that game was how the Cavaliers were able to block the um, Warriors' early offense. The Warriors, they love to attack early in the shot clock because the, def the defense doesn't have time to settle in. And, but the, the Cavaliers have the bigger, have the stronger defenders. So these guys, they hustled all game long trying to block... Uh, early offense from the Warriors, and most of the times they did it. I don't know if they can sustain this for an entire uh, seven-game series, but the NBA is an evolutionary league, man. If they can, if if they can show the first step of blueprint of how to beat the Warriors, we might be entering the next step of an evolution in the next year or so. Can you imagine uh, just the beauty of the league if every team starts draining shot from almost mid-court? Jeez, oh, yeah. that would be just awesome basketball. Well, just well, shots draining all across the floor. That, that, that would be impressive. Never mind the dunk. For me, a great shot that is just twined from close to mid-court is way more impressive. That's a good That's a good sign. sign it's a sign you're starting to uh, become an NBA nerd. Like To me, I, a guy shooting off a screen or a guy... Uh, taking a floater like off, off balance, step off away, fade, and roll. whatever. Exactly. Uh, it's it, it's what the sport is about. But there's already talks in the NBA of playing lineups that are five outs uh, with no with no man in. So five shooters on the three point line. This is absolutely <laughs> crazy. But this is what like there's always going to be one guy open. Yeah. It's, It's what coaches and executives are talking about, you know? Well, it's uh, the evolution of the game, like you mentioned. And if, because there's always going to be a defender close to being in the bottle just in case. So if yes. you put the five guys on the three point line, one of them is about to get open. Worst case scenario, you shoot a two point, a two point shot from like a foot off the three point line, at least it's going to go in. There's always going to be a shot open that way. Or you drive in and there's nobody in the key. Yeah, because exactly. <laughs> they don't, wow, that's. That could be awesome to watch over the next couple of years. That would be absolutely crazy. But it's a cycle thing. Like the post defense and is going to is going to get trendy again. I don't know when, but I think it's going to cycle back sometime. But 
right now we're just having the craziest uh, all-around shootout fun games to watch. Like it's it's just fun to watch games now, no matter what, what the outcome is. Again, yesterday I was watching at seven Griffey warm up. He was touching the Golden State Warrior logo in midcourt and draining trees, and like multiple <laughs> in a row. Oh, was, yeah. There was a live feed on his warm up online. And I was watching it. It was like, wow, he's touching the he's touching the logo, and just go in, one, two. You're like, damn, he's touching the logo. Jump threes just keeps going in. There are and nothing few, but twine too. There are few guys able to do that in the league, but he's the only guy able to do it consistently. I just, he's just different. He's he's uncharted territory, like I said before. And I've uh, just keep watching the videos of him when his uh, father was the coach of Toronto, and he was just practicing. At the Air Canada Center at the age of 13, 14, and just draining those threes like no tomorrow. You're like, wow, that kid's going to become something. Then you realize, well, yeah, he did. He became quite something after all. But what people don't don't know about these videos is that his dad made him change his shooting stroke like very late. Like I think it was before entering uh, college at Davidson because he was shooting from the chest and he wanted Steph to shoot from above the head so the shot would be harder to block. Because Steph is not the biggest guy, so he cannot shoot over people. Yeah, true. And so he reworked his entire shooting stroke to make it, which is today, I mean, the best shooting stroke in the history of the game. Wow, that's it's such impressive too. When you see him play the determination, and when you look at the size factor, which you're right, everything that he does is to counterbalance the fact that he's not tall, or if not, he's short. But his play is just built around his attributes, and he's found ways to hide his weakness, which is his physical weakness. He's tiny and he's not tall, so he's not the most physical, he's not the most muscular, and he's not the tallest. That's his only weakness, and he's found a way to play that just hides all of that. And he was not even the best player on the floor at the Christmas game. How crazy is that? Draymond Green was? <laughs> oh, yeah, Draymond Green was. You bet your ass he was. Well, what a underrated player. Uh, listening to Tim Vincent on Sportsnet today, and it's been uh, just when you're looking at him play lately, he's playing underneath bright lights because of Steph Curry and the fact that the Warriors are defending champions. But I think Draymond Green must be still the most underrated player in the NBA right now. He is on fast track to being an all-star this year. And he must be somewhere in the MVP discussions. But yeah, he's underrated because he does so much more than what shows on the uh, stat sheet. He was, uh, he was mic'd up early in the season against the Clippers. And the, the Warriors were losing by 20. And what he was saying, he was, he was reassuring his teammate. He was like, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, don't let the score don't, don't let the score get to your head it's going to start falling the shots are going to start falling we're doing good and what do you know the Warriors won the game he is a leader he is a student of the game he is passionate I love this player he is, is he is the darling of the uh, NBA intelligence here right now yeah he's uh, the advanced analytics darling too because the guy oh, who yeah. comes close to doing the triple double as often as he does uh, maybe not always the amount of points, but necessarily the amount of rebounds and assists necessary to feed players like uh, Steph Curry. Well, that's how they win. They won the game, right? Yeah. Like I told you before uh, Christmas that the matchup you needed to watch was Kevin Love against uh, Draymond Green. Kevin Love had his fair share of shots over Draymond Green because he's just way bigger. But 
Draymond is the guy that won the game for for the Warriors. He's the guy that kept all these plays alive under the net and kicked uh, the ball back on the wing. He he made so much things happen. So many things happen in that game. Kevin Love could not guard him. And if they face if they face in the finals this year, it's going to be a huge problem for the Cavaliers. A huge problem. Now, speaking of players that can create huge problems for teams, uh, Toronto was winning up until the player decided, yeah, it's not going to be the case. Uh, Jimmy Butler for the Bulls, 40 points in the second half, zero in the first. What did he eat at halftime? What was in his water bottle? What a second half. Well, Jimmy Butler is... Well, I'll give you another metaphor. I'm really metaphor happy today, I'm telling you. <laughs> Chicago is Gotham City, and Jimmy Butler is Batman. He's not the hero they need, but he's the hero they deserve. <laughs> he is the guy that will go to bat every night and swing as hard as he can. He's not the sexy, uh, uh, young, promising, leaping guard, but he is a superstar. He's a budding superstar. He's a guy that needs to be given the keys of the franchise right now. The Bulls are on the treadmill. They're doing good. They're second in the Eastern Association, but they're on the treadmill. They don't have a prayer in hell against hey. the uh, Cavaliers, but if, let's say, start You never feeding, know. Cavaliers can lose somebody else in the playoff and open. And you, you never know what can happen in playoffs. I think unless they lose LeBron, uh, the Bulls don't have a prayer in hell. If, and I, if somebody decides to play the way Detroit played against the Bulls in the early 90s, LeBron oh, might be injured, you know? Maybe. You never know what can happen in the NBA in the playoffs. Maybe. Detroit, Detroit, they're an intriguing team in the East. But I think that Chicago, they just need to start feeding Jimmy Butler more. It's a show, it's, it's a show that if you feed him, he's going to produce, he's going to make you win games. He is, like, the Jimmy Butler I saw that night was the equivalent of what I see Paul George do for Indiana. And Paul George has the keys of the club. He has had it for two or three years right now. And I think they need to move on from Derrick Rose. They need to send Derrick Rose away. I think he's injured again. He's in one of my fantasy leagues. And he's like he's going, he's going for an MRI soon for his right knee. But uh, What's surprising to me is that the Bulls were able to continue to amass points in the standings and keep their position even though they have a huge injury bug problem and yes oh, yeah. it's been a it's been a while when you have rose in your team rose is injury prone if not always injured then you have noah this year so there's a lot of injury problem and the fact that the bulls were able to keep their position if not better it uh, it's quite quite telling for the future and maybe like you say now it's time to hit your wagon to a different franchise player and move on to a better future even well the thing about derrick rose's injury is that main backup is kirk heinrich kirk heinrich is older than me I mean, I'm 33 years old. I think Curry Hungrich is 36 or 37. You know, there's not much, there's not much room for error for like a 36 years old white guy in the NBA. He uh, he slows the team down. He uh, he's not a good fit for uh, a team that has to feed Jimmy Butler. Um, that Noah injury is not as bad. Because they have a lot of front court depth, 
they're going to um, they're just going to get to move Pau Gasol at center and probably start Taj Gibson or uh, Nikola Mirotic. But the Derrick Rose injury, even if he's not, even if it's a shadow of who he was, is still a problem. No, absolutely, and we'll see in the future, like you say, if they do the move accordingly, if they not necessarily get rid, but surround Butler differently and build a team around Butler so that he has the, the speed necessary around him to get the right uh, the right service. Because They need to feed him the ball. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but the guys need to get there, and like you say, when they're not necessarily that fast, they need more, like, uh, maybe they need to go smaller and faster, the new trend in the NBA, right? Kirk, yes, Kirk Heinrich has like at least one or two good games in him a year now and somehow I always stumble upon them but yeah like I I draft a point guard next year it's been two years uh, we've been predicting the Bulls to draft a point guard it's been two years they haven't and I just need, I just think they need to surround Jimmy with perimeter shooters and give him the ball even even have an off-ball point guard and give ball handling duties to Jimmy Butler. He's not he's not the most creative uh, ball handler, but he can shoot off the off the dribble, and that's all that matters. You mentioned predicting uh, what the Bulls were going to do, and it's not happening. Uh, this year it seems like the actual season is predictable. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think should change? And what are ways to turn it around and so it's not that predictable? Like uh, I, it usually is. Like the Golden State are going to win the champions. I don't win know. The this year. I don't know. It's driving me nuts. I'm like every team that is supposed to surprise or take another step is just treading water right now. Hey Toronto. Yeah, exactly. The uh, I was, you know, I was very high on the Raptors before the game, before the game, before the season, and right now they're fifth in the conference and and sliding. Yes, they're sliding by the slid. They slid behind Atlanta. They slid behind Miami, who are slightly uh, over over uh, achieving, but not by much. Um, the only team that is really surprising me is Oklahoma City as Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and coach Billy Donovan are starting to gel. They're starting to get each other, you know. But no, it's very bad that because a season is already set so early that you are start to wish for an injury. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about Cleveland. <laughs> if they if they lose LeBron, it's unfortunate, but then the Eastern Conference become really interesting. It becomes wide open. Wide open teams like Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Toronto, Indiana, even Boston can have aspiration if Cleveland if Cleveland is not uh, on top of it right now. I think Chicago, I think Toronto, uh, Indiana, Boston, and Detroit. Don't forget Detroit. They're nineteen and sixteen, man, and they are good. They're young. They're not used to play with one another. Brandon Jennings came back. I don't know if you've seen the highlights of uh, Brandon Jennings last night. Uh, some might have, yes, but uh, he, f- he faked. Uh, he was he, he was driving to the basket. He was guarded by Shabazz Napier from Orlando. He faked the pass behind the back, but bounced the ball between his legs wow. and shot shot the ball out to a shooter. I think it was Kent Davis called Will Pope. I might be wrong about that for a three pointer. The bench went completely wild. He is he might get traded because he's starting quality uh, point guard who doesn't have a starting job right now. Yeah. But if 
Detroit managed to keep him on his bench, on their bench for the rest of the season, you're going to see them get up in the rankings. They are exactly two and a half games behind Chicago and 5.5 games behind Cleveland. And it's, it's between one and, one and eight right now. No, the only highlight that actually I remember from last night is that girl uh, with the whole the beer on the floor, and she's trying to wipe it up with just <laughs> just a small napkin, trying to make sure nobody notices. There's like two gallons of beer on the actual playing oh. surface, and eventually people are helping her. You have all the crews with the Gatorade towel, the whole stadium, well, the whole stadium, the whole arena clapping at her. She just wants to die and like hide behind a basketball. It's, oh, that was well, probably the funniest moment from last night. Was uh, was Sacramento and Oklahoma City last night? I think it was. I'm not sure. I couldn't remember it was, but even the players were getting onto it and clapping. Come on, come on, pick it up. Come on. <laughs> Poor girl. Like she like she fell. Like she was trying to hide it and not sell it. Ah, oh, it was so hilarious to see. <laughs> but um I think it was last night. It was uh, Rajon Rondo from Sacramento and uh and uh, Stephen it was guarded at the rim by Stephen Adams from Oklahoma City. He made Rondo made his classic pass fake. And man, it was like Adams just was injected with LSD or something. He he just spun on himself and looked at the ceiling. I was like, oh shit! There's yeah. there's nothing like a good pass fake. No, and then the guy gets back up. He's like, yep, <laughs> I, I I I bit a little bit of that fake. He's got a, he's got a good sense of humor though. Probably I'm sure he doesn't he doesn't uh, take it personal. When you play hard defense, you're gonna be at the wrong end of a. Of a highlight reel at one time or another. Absolutely. All right. We talked about the standing. Let's just go through it. Let's start what's closest to us right now. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. We'll start with the top, make our way to the bottom. We have yes. Cleveland at 23 and 9, Chicago 20 and 12 in second position, Miami 21 and 13, uh, Atlanta fourth, 21 14. Toronto fifth, like we were saying, with 21-15. Yes, it's very close, but Cleveland is so hard to beat, and they're going to, like you said, so unpredictable. You need upsets along the way to make sure that Cleveland loses one night when you are winning, so you get that game that you have back, and that's what we're not really uh, thinking that's going to happen. That's why we said it's predictable. They are 15-1 and one at home. 8-8 <laughs> um, yeah. on the road, which is still better than 500. It's 500 so. they, they are 17-6 and six against their conference, so they have a pretty freaking good record about the, uh, against their conference. The, the important games that are going to uh, put uh, teams further behind them, they're going to win them. Exactly. And behind Toronto, we have Indiana Pacers in sixth position with 19 wins and 15 losses. Boston, the Celtics in seventh position, 19 and 15 as well. And to round the, to finish the first eight team, which will be in the playoff in 2016, you have Detroit, the Pistons with 19 and 16. It's so close. The last four position, very, very close. If you're looking at the winning percentage around amount of game played in conference and outside. Orlando right now has the same record, the exact same record yeah. as Detroit. Exactly. Which, yeah, yeah. So the conference, or, the conference record makes the difference between the eighth and ninth position. It's yes. so tight. And they might, they might very well uh, uh, get in the playoffs. You know, if they get like one more, one win more than Detroit, they might get in the playoffs. I'm not as sold on Orlando as. Uh, I shot it as Orlando, yeah. As I'm sold on uh, Detroit, yeah. but 
they could be could happen. They couldn't make the playoffs. They could very well make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, what's the Western Conference standing about? Um, well, Golden State is number one. Uh, <laughs> Duh. They, they have they have thirty two and two, which is uh, spectacular. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, Even the is, second record is impressive. Well, yeah, the Sacramento is uh, San Antonio. Pardon me, is only two wins behind. They are thirty and six. They have two more games played, and they just seem like they can't lose. They're twenty and zero at home, and they in their last ten they were nine and one. And Golden State in their last ten they're eight and two. So in the last ten games, San Antonio played better basketball than Golden State's guys. Wow, that's <laughs> quite that's quite a stat because uh, even though. Golden State are attracting all the media right now. San Antonio, under the radar, but an amazing beginning of season as well. As always. They're just, always great, under the radar. In yeah, and, case. and great doesn't define it. Like, 30-6, and 9-1 last 10 games, that, that's, not, that's amazing. Like It's amazing. Their players are younger. Their players are starting to gel together. I have a feeling. I have, like, a gut feeling that if one team beats Golden State in the playoffs, it's going to be them. Can you imagine the Western Conference Final if it's Golden State and San Antonio? The crazy, probably the best basketball maybe in the history of the league. Wow, that could be just, just wow. I'm salivating just thinking about it. I'm going to quote Michael Jackson here. There are going to be blood on the dance floor. <laughs> blood on the court. Um, number three is Oklahoma City at uh, 24 and 11. They are starting to gel. They are long Young, athletic, and dangerous. Like, keep an eye on these guys. After that, there's uh, the Clippers, 22 and 13, which is interesting. They're on their winning streak. They are 7 and 3 in, on their, in their last 10 games. I have yet to be impressed by the uh, Clippers, but um, there could be they could be a party pooper in the uh, in the West if I've seen if I've ever seen one. Uh, number five is Dallas. Mark Cuban uh, boys. Yes, uh, Rick Carlisle's uh, Machiavellian creation. Honestly, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they can. I don't know why they're they're fifth right now because they don't have the personnel. But Rick Carlisle has made his career out of figuring it out. <laughs> and he uh, he's on the way to figuring it out in Dallas. Oh yeah, they, he. I mean, Zaza Pachulia of all people is having the best year of his career. Like. A career journeyman, a career bench player is averaging, I think, 11 rebounds a game. I don't don't expect me to explain that. I don't understand. And one thing that's actually not necessarily surprising, but in this position, uh, the Grizzlies, Memphis, which is yes. a team that uh, we're not necessarily used to seeing in playoff position. Um, well, it was they made the playoff. They made a good playoff push in the last couple of years. Because True. of the yeah. uh, Mark Gasol and uh, and Zach Randolph duo mainly, because they've been playing some old school rugged basketball, but the era is starting to catch up to them. They're big, they're slow, and they're starting to get old. Uh, I, I they're one. I think they're one injury away from slipping out of the playoffs. I think they're one injury away. They're not that far. Uh, Utah is two and a half games behind. So that could that could happen. Uh, is not, uh, Houston is number seven, uh, which is I, decent, I guess, for the uh, for the Rockets since they've started the the, the season with such a gory, uh, terrible massacre. Number eight, 
pleases me to no end. The Utah Jazz. With a losing record, with, uh, by, by, with no less, like 15 and 18, but they're still in playoff position. With an injury to their best player, Frenchman Rudy Gobert, the Stifle Tower, and with their dark lord of the set of a coach, Quinn Snyder, they're, they're making it work. They're slowly but surely uh, gnawing their way to the playoffs. And I don't know who behind them can get their playoff spot. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think it, it's a team that has no superstar. The teams that has, this is a team that has no go-to player. I don't think Gordon Hayward is a go-to player. Uh, but they play together. They play with such grit. They play with such pace. And they're young. They have young legs, so they can keep going and going. This is not the Utah Jazz of... Uh, Carl Malone and John Stockton with oh, the man. pick and the mailman with the pick and rolls all over and over and over. This is a fun team. This is a fun. Uh, this is a fun team for NBA nerds with the crazy uh, science, mad scientist of a coach who's been designing all these complicated plays. Like, keep an eye on these guys. It's going to be fun. Uh, one thing I want to mention about the rankings since the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, inexplicably waived Tony Roten, which was probably one of their best, probably the best guard on their roster, and signed <laughs> Ish Smith. They're three and three. Oh man, it's not working. They got to dump that guy too. They got to. They have to find a way to dump Ish Smith. I think uh, the Lakers are like, uh, well, there's still four games behind the Lakers, yeah. but they, well, it might, four games might not seem a lot, but four games for Philly. It's, oh, yeah. half, it, it, it's double their win. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and But Ish Schmidt is, is blossoming as a point guard since, since the beginning of this season. He was, he was uh, blossoming as Anthony Davis's point guard at the beginning of the year. And now that they traded two second-round picks for him, he's blossoming in Philly. Like, it's, it's really weird, but it's fun for the... Uh, 76ers. Maybe Mike D'Antoni has something to do with him. Like they brought him Mike D'Antoni, which is the forefather of the modern NBA as an associate head coach. So maybe that helps. Yeah, but maybe they should tell him to start working just next year. Yeah, maybe. But in the end, it's all in, it's all the lottery, right? Absolutely. Is there a game in particular, Ben, that you're really looking forward to over the next uh, seven days? Uh, I don't know if they're playing within the next seven days, but the next time the uh, Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs are playing, Ooh. I want to watch. I don't care if it's like at three in the morning, uh, Texas time. I want to watch this game because I think they, I think they played once and the Warriors won, but this, this is not the same team. Like the, the San Antonio Spurs are starting to gel. They're starting to figure out their lineup. I want to have I want to have a precise opinion of what's going on right now. Right now they're just dueling for position. I want to see them face each other. And you know what? The goal we said that in the past, but the Warriors cannot keep up that pace. Like they only lost two games in the whole season. They cannot keep up that pace. Well, uh, statistically, uh, in the history, it tells you that usually they cannot keep up that pace. Maybe they can. But if they don't, San Antonio's right there. And if on that night, yeah, you're right. It could be fireworks on the court that night. It's going to be, again, a psychological thriller. Two very high IQ teams. 
but what is going in the, in the next game what's going to happen is going to be reflected in the playoffs if they play one another so i'm really really eager to see this i think golden state has the best overall shooting team they have the younger legs but coach popovich is um really brewing this weird thing where he he's trying to have two double teams in the post against his guys and four free shooters at the uh, perimeter he's evil that guy you saw you saw what he said after he won coach of the month <laughs> he said uh if i don't win a car i don't care <laughs> it's not important the guy is so used to success that like honors like this they go like 10 feet over his head ben i want to wish you a happy new year i want to wish Every single one of our listeners, a happy new year. And if you have a dollar a month, two dollars a month to spare, help SBN grow. Help us achieve our vision. Patreon.com slash Sports Podcasting Network. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Sports Podcasting Network. Ben, talk to you next week. Yes, sir.